0: Are listening to the First Community Podcast, where we talk about life and faith with our First Baptist family. I'm Caroline Roberts. And I'm April Adams. And April, you want to tell us who we have with us today?
1: Our guest today is Zach Pippen. And Zach worked for Ambassador Nikki Haley whenever she was Governor Nikki Haley. Now he works for Governor Henry McMaster. And Zach has been a member here at First Baptist for a good long while. Yeah, um, I guess
2: about eight years.
1: Yeah. And you and I go back about ten years. Yes. Now that well, I think about it. <laughs> yeah,
2: April is one of the people in Columbia who I've known the longest.
1: Yes. If I wow. wouldn't have done that little victory lap in college, we never <laughs> would have met. Yeah, April was a
2: super senior my yes. freshman year, <laughs> and I I came to the BCM and April was the president that year, I believe. Or well. Or that right after,
1: yeah. But then I ended up doing. Other stuff, yeah. <laughs> I ran the programs, yeah. Yep. Programs. She was just in charge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, and then, Zach, you're involved in student ministry still, yes?
2: Yeah, I've been doing that. Uh, so I was with the high school seniors for five years in a row, mm-hmm. and then I took a year off. I moved down to Charleston, and then I came back up here last spring and so last fall rejoined and now I'm with the juniors
1: okay. and you're also involved in the young professionals class
2: yes I am and it, it's actually funny the one of the reasons I got involved with student ministries was at the time so that would have been uh, what five and a half six years ago when I first really started mm-hmm. with student ministries uh, the young professionals ministry here at the church was not not quite where it is today. Mm -hmm. And so it was was around that time I was, I had just gotten out of college. Um, Most of my friends were younger, uh, so I still hung around the college for a little while. But then when I was like, I need to, you know, get out of college ministry and move on to something else, I was not really interested in joining Mm -hmm. the Young Professionals Ministry at the time. And so I talked to Tripp, who was the student minister at the time, and I was like, hey, Trip, I had volunteered some during college mm-hmm. with uh, retreats and stuff, some of the one-off events. And I was like, hey, Tripp, uh, do you have any need for any volunteers in the student ministries? Because I'm interested. Uh, I, I'm done with college. Not interested in this uh, young professionals uh, thing right now. So, <laughs> And he's like... Yeah, sure, and (laughs) got plugged right in.
1: All right, but now the YP class is a little bit better, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's, um, we have some great leaders. We have the Reekers and the Cothrines. They're two married couples that have done a great job to kind of bring it back from the ashes, Uh, and then we also have, we also have, Uh, several uh, members in the class who have just really stepped up and started planning things. And that's one of the great things about YP that's different from student ministries. You know, in student ministries, the leaders kind of plan everything. From the retreats to the Wednesday evening activities, with YP, it's really member-led. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll just text each other, hey, what's y'all doing this weekend? Let's go see a movie and grab a meal um so yeah as
1: any adult class should be (laughs) yeah (laughs) well um you've also have been taking trips to haiti i mean you Mm you were there just recently correct
2: yes i was there so i'll tell a little bit about this most recent one then i'll kind of back up to the beginning and go through um i like to tell Kind of in depth stories, sometimes out of order. So, uh, <laughs> uh, about six weeks ago, Trip called me up. So, Trip has since moved to Atlanta. He uh, is working at a church there in Atlanta, Sugar Hill. And we miss him, but, you know, we love Philip who stepped up in his place. Um, so, anyways, Trip is one of the board members and founders of the Haiti Orphan Foundation, which is uh, kind of the umbrella organization that oversees what uh the people in Colombia, at least with our church and there's some people outside of our church who are involved so trip calls me up he's like hey i'm going to haiti in about two weeks do you think you can come with us mm-hmm. and shoot some photos and videos and put together for our promotional material for the next year and uh like, immediately, I was like, oh, I'd love to. Let me make some calls to make sure uh, it's going to work out with my job. And he's like, okay. And so I looked at the schedule. It looked pretty light. There was, like, one event. So I called up a coworker. I was like, hey, can you cover me for me on this event next Thursday? I want to go to Haiti and help out with this orphanage. Kind of guilt-tripped him <laughs> a little bit. Um, but, it, it yeah, so thankfully, it wasn't a big deal to just miss a couple days of work. So, it was literally Thanksgiving night. My family had all gone to bed, and I was on the phone with Trip. We are looking at plane tickets and booking them. And then the next Thursday, so one week later, uh, we flew down to Haiti, and we were only there for a couple days. Um, and but we got a lot done. We checked out a uh, new school. Um, we did checkups on the boys. And I guess at this point, I'll kind of back up way far and then come back up to this point. So back in, I graduated from college in December of 2009. And if y'all remember, in January of 2010, there was this large earthquake in Haiti. It just, Mm -hmm. you know, devastated the country. And I had not yet found full-time employment I wasn't really looking because I graduated I did the opposite of April <laughs> instead of doing a uh, a victory semester um, I just did college in three and a half semesters so, or three and a half years. I just uh, took a semester from yeah. you. As well. <laughs> so I basically thought hey i you know I worked hard for three and a half years to graduate early I'm gonna take a semester off I'm gonna nice. kind of treat myself um, <laughs> And so during that time, I was I was still working part time in the House of Representatives. I was a page, you know, all throughout college, which is basically like an intern. And I was also doing a lot of uh, work at the BCM. Was on leadership there and kind of finishing out with uh, my peers who had yet to graduate. So the earthquake happens, and. I don't know, it was like Wednesday or Thursday, the earthquake happens. And on Sunday morning, I remember in college ministry, uh, we all gathered around West Church, who at the time was the college minister. And he was about to head down to Haiti in two days with a group including uh, Dr. Mike and Daryl Nations, a couple other people from the church, and they were just going to go down there and basically do triage. So I remember we all circled around him, and we were supposed to pray for him to, uh, you know, for safe travels and Mm -hmm. for all that. Uh, I I didn't do that. I remember, (laughs) like, I prayed, like, a one-sentence prayer. I was just like, God, please get me to Haiti. (laughs) And I don't know what on earth made me think that. I have no idea. So that was Sunday morning, and... On Monday, I had some conversations with Wes and some other people um, about getting logistics worked out to do a trip down there. I was not going to be able to go on the one that week, the first triage trip, but there was definitely, you know, we could already see within a couple days a lot of long term needs. Mm-hmm. So that was Monday. On Tuesday, uh, I was at work in the state house. Um, I went to talk to two people. So one of the representatives, Bakari Sellers, who is now a CNN contributor, Mm -hmm. uh, you may have seen him on there. He he got up and spoke in the house about the crisis in Haiti. Mm -hmm. And I went and actually talked to him after that and told him I was working on going. He says, oh, that's great. You know, let me know how I can help you get down there. So then... I was I was a page for them representative Nikki Haley, and I went up to her and I was like, "Hey, I am going to Haiti in a couple of days. Um, I'm not going to be able to work for you anymore. Basically, I'm going to have to leave." And she was just like, "Oh, I, okay, I understand. You know, we'll miss you and all that." And it's like, "Okay, she's nice." So I I like go back to the side bench where we all sat. I was talking to a coworker or something, and then the next thing I know, I turn around and she's at the well, asking <laughs> all of the members of the House of Representatives to contribute. Like she called me out by name. She pointed oh, okay. over. She's like, "Our page, Zach Pippin. He's you know worked with us for four years, but he's about to leave us and go down to Haiti, um, and I think we all need to pitch in and you know help him pay for this trip." and Like, they just passed around this envelope, literally. And, you know, this is Tuesday or Wednesday of that week. Um, You know, eight years later, it's hard to remember. But, like, from Sunday when I prayed to go to Haiti to Wednesday, it was, like, done and paid for. Wow. Um, And then, of course, on the ground in Haiti. So now we're actually going down there. Um, On the ground in Haiti was totally different Things... Didn't quite work out how I expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, uh, so many things. It could be a whole another podcast series about you know what goes on in Haiti and how things change. But short version is our first trip down there. I went with Hunter McKenzie and Daryl Nations, Tommy Lydon, Trip Atkinson, and Wes Church, and uh, and Juno. So Juno was kind of our guide and interpreter. He had grown up, I think, kind of on the streets of Haiti. Uh, he had come to America, became an American citizen. He joined the Air Force, and he actually um, was killed by an IED in Afghanistan a couple years after our trip. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was sad, but he he was really great on, on that first trip. We had gone down, after that triage trip, they asked you know, what What are your biggest needs for our next trip down here? And they all said tents. And so for the next couple of weeks, our church collected tents to send down to Haiti. And so that was one of the main things that we did on my first trip. We we took tents down there, we distributed them, and that meant going to one of the tent cities mm-hmm. that had just popped up, talked to one of the leaders that had emerged uh the it it was odd like these tent cities since the people's houses had fallen down they basically started living on in on soccer fields and parking lots wherever wherever was just a flat clear space Mm -hmm. and by tents you know sometimes that was just three sticks with a bed sheet draped over it Mm -hmm. and so when we're taking like camping tents from america we You know, we think, oh, we're going to rough it and go camping for a weekend. (laughs) This was, like, infinitely better than what they were living in at the time. So we had to find one of these leaders. We had to hire armed security to surround our truck, Mm -hmm. and we had the leaders kind of pick out, you know, who is the neediest in your tent city. Usually, um, you know, like mothers with newborns were Mm -hmm. kind of our first priority. So we distributed the tents, and then we kind of went around – uh, the areas outside of Port-au-Prince because a lot of focus was on Port-au-Prince. That was what was on the TV and everything. It, w- it was the easiest to see this, the destruction because you, you, know, you had a city that was falling down. But we also went out kind of to the suburbs and rural areas and we visited about three or four different places uh, and one of them was this orphanage and there were no children in it at the time because the walls had fallen down after the quake, and so they had evacuated the children, I think, just up into the mountains. So it was, it was after that trip, I believe, that we all came back and Wes and Tripp and some of the others got together and they formed the Haiti Orphan Foundation with the intention of setting up a long-term relationship with uh, one of the Haitian churches And with a pastor that we've met down there and so now that that orphanage where the walls had fallen down is the grace children's home and there are 15 boys living in it right now it's fluctuated a little bit over the years uh, because a side note a lot of the a lot of the children in orphanages in Haiti are not technically orphans Uh, a lot of times they just have parents who can't take care of them. You know, mm-hmm. they they can't shelter and feed them. And so they put them in these homes. So, you know, we've had over the years, some of the parents got back on their feet. They've come and gotten the boys. We've had new boys come in mm-hmm. uh, from different situations. Um, but they, they've mainly stayed the same. I'd say probably 10 to 12 of them have stayed the same. And so I've gone back a few times since then and it's always been on these really short fast-paced trips with with some of the board members because mm-hmm. I know uh, our church has sent down a couple different like college groups on spring breaks and y- you know that's a bigger group it's a different dynamic they do more of the I think traditional mission trip type stuff of working with the kids and Fixing stuff, mm-hmm. painting the orphanage. Yeah. <laughs> Mission trippy yeah. stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. There's a good Babylon b article about that. Yeah. <laughs> a church getting its 15th coat of paint this summer. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> um, true. Some
1: places are that. <laughs> yeah,
2: but we have, I really love what we do because it's more, it's very concentrated. We're down there for two to four days at a time, usually and we will take people with different skills Um, usually if we can we'll take a doctor who does checkups on the boys you know just like we would go to an annual checkup here Uh, we will kind of meet with the pastor there kind of review what's been going on what are their needs Uh, if we can we'll reach out to the local community so this past time we did a, a health clinic in the church so the the orphanage um, it's about, I don't know, five or 10 miles and 45 minutes outside of Port Prince because the roads are slow there. <laughs> so you got the orphanage, and then probably about no more than a tenth of a mile away, like a five-minute walk, is the boys' school where they go, and they, they actually go to school with a lot of other kids in the community. And then the school is right beside the church that the pastor runs, and... So we we set up a clinic in the church, and we saw, I, I think, 60 to 70 people in half a day. Wow. And, you know, they're all ages from, I think, about six months to 83, <laughs> and just coming from all over, anything from pneumonia to, I'm just not feeling good today, <laughs> to, looking for some meds. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... So we could do stuff like that. The previous time when I went, uh, so communication is not always the best uh, when you're not in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, communicating across a language barrier and across email mm-hmm. can get kind of tricky. And so last time we went, Hunter and I, uh, it was just the two of us. We had to find where two of the boys had gone. There, we found out later that their parents had come and gotten them. That was somehow lost in translation. <laughs> All we got was, the boys aren't there, aren't here anymore.
0: <laughs>
2: so we had to find, find and hire a driver and go like three or four hours up into the mountains. Oh, we spent a whole day just like tracking down these boys and doing quick checkups. Hunter's an architect, I'm a photographer. So we basically took a tape measure and a scale. <laughs> <laughs> that. That was uh, that was the 2015 I'm health wait. checkup for the boys. I <laughs> look fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, The the other years when we have actual doctors, I think you know they get a good checkup. So yeah, we went up uh, into the mountains, found the boys, and oh, and another thing is the uh, the kind of annual trip that the the leadership does, and that I've gotten to go on with them has always been in the November, December timeframe. Mm-hmm. And so we always take down the Christmas gifts and mm-hmm. so that's always fun.
1: Yeah, well this seems like a cool thing because you keep going back and so you get to build relationships, right?
2: Yeah, and you know, it's it's funny because about every time I'm down there, I think I, I wish I spoke French and I should work on my French. <laughs> I took French in college, but I didn't like it. Um, <laughs>
1: Same.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I I was a Spanish minor, so I was always like, man, why can't can't I keep going back to the Dominican Republic just on the other side of this island? I could actually (laughs) talk to the kids, have conversations and stuff. Um, I'm not fluent, but I could easily get around Mm -hmm. and and talk with uh, anyone there. And so, but for some reason, it just keeps working out that I keep getting pulled back to Haiti. And I love going there even if I can't speak the Creole or French. Um,
1: yeah. Well, how do you take the mission and bring it back home?
2: So I was actually kind of talking with someone about this yesterday at work. Um, one of... One of the biggest things that going down there does, and I rem- I remember especially after the first trip, is changes your perspective. The the joy you see down there in like in the presence of abject poverty. You know, I I think Haiti's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, um, and so you see people. There, it's just hard to describe. There's, it's like there's almost feels like no hope economically Mm -hmm. down there. It's like, you know, there, after my first trip in Haiti, uh, I came back, and the next week, the college ministry went to New York for spring break. And so I went on that mission trip as well, and it was... It was night and day. You know, I'd been in Haiti one week where people were sleeping under bed sheets. To the next week, I was literally walking around the Upper East Side of Manhattan, going into like high end art galleries, asking them uh, to donate stuff for an auction. For and it was a, it was a good cause. It was for a, a battered women's shelter that we were working with, and they were having a big like black tie gala as their fundraiser. Because that's what you do on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. But the the perspective I have from seeing those two juxtaposed so uh, so quickly, you know, one week after another, um, it it just makes you really realize how much we have in this country, um, and like I don't, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you make in this country, you know, you'd be minimum wage, <laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it, it'll be tough, but you're living better than a lot of the people in Haiti. Yep. And so bring that back, and the, and just the, the perspective it gives you, and the it kind of humbles you a little bit, and really, really makes you grateful, and it makes it a whole lot easier to be content in almost any situation. Um, You know, like, I have have a tiny apartment by American standards, but I love it because, you know, I've been to, you know, not just Haiti. I've been to to a couple different countries on different mission trips, and in some of those just seeing, like, to be frank, my my apartment's bigger than some families live in in other Mm -hmm. countries. And so any time that I feel that I have a tiny living room, I just think, what if I had... wife and three kids in here Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so it really makes it hard to complain and gripe about any problems here after seeing all that um yeah
0: and as americans like seeing having that perspective change it's easy to just pity and just feel bad for people living in those situations but as a believer your perspective turns from just feeling bad for them but you know wanting and having a conviction and a desire to go back and not to just provide you know physical needs but to provide those physical needs in the name of the love of Christ and like I mean you've gotten opportunities to go back and see progress and see the kids grow up and I'm sure you're hoping to have more opportunities to go back in the future right
2: yeah and you know and not just Haiti um... So in Haiti, you know, I see one dynamic. It's mostly at the orphanage with the with the boys. In other countries, the one time in Honduras, we got to go up to this village in the mountains. It took a whole day to hike. We had to go, like, up and down two different mountains. There were no roads in or out. Um, you had to get there by foot. And we got to go to a worship service and a church there one night, and... Like, I'd, you know, that was another village where, you know, they're living in little huts. They barely had, you know, they probably don't have clean water. They don't have a lot of food. They, you know, they, but they shared food with us. And <laughs> they were such gracious hosts. And that just showed that, you know, the source of joy and contentment is never on or should never be on material things. You know, we might want to pity people living in third world countries because they don't have the newest iPhone and they don't have a giant house like we might live in. But they they get to experience, that can almost be a handicap to us sometimes mm-hmm. I think, or maybe numb us. Yeah. Uh, Cause, um, so I'm a runner too. <laughs> uh, this is way out of the, out of the blue, but I, I think I can tie this in. So it's much easier to just lay on your couch and watch TV a lot of times. Even though I like running, uh, one of the best parts about running is finishing a run. Um, yes. <laughs> and so, you know, you're done, you've put in all that work, and you just have the endorphin high, and um, anyways, it's easy, it's easy to just sit on the couch and be comfy, it's a little bit harder to be out there and go running. But, and so, you know, it's easier for us to rely on material things to and rely on our own work and money to provide for all of our needs. They don't have that luxury, but at the same time, you know, they have the gift of, and this is really easy to say from an American's <laughs> perspective, but they have the gift of being able to just rely on God to provide for all their needs because they don't, you know, they don't have a giant wealthy society around them that's going to do everything for them.
1: So if uh, somebody listening wants to get involved in missions in the church or maybe going to Haiti with you sometime, uh, how, how would they best do that?
2: First off, well, I think if you're in First Baptist Church, we have a missions committee. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy Reekers, who's one of our Sunday school teachers in the YP class, is also on the missions committee. You know, you can just find him or anyone on the missions committee. They will inform you of all. The, like, I don't even know all the things that our church does. We do so much. <laughs> Um, I just you know.
0: found out we have a missions committee. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so. Yeah. so like yeah, um, <laughs>
2: a group went to Egypt a couple weeks yeah, ago. Uh, actually, I think around the same time I was in Haiti. Uh, yeah. we yep. had, yeah. We've we had trips go to Bulgaria. Uh, we have um, a community in Boston that we have done a lot of work with. Mm-hmm. The college ministry I know has been several times. And that's another one of those where it's it's interesting and rewarding to go back to the same place multiple times mm-hmm. um, you know it's it's tempting to use missions as a you know fun travel around the world thing um, but it's definitely I'd say more rewarding to keep going back to that same place and build the community you know you're not gonna you know going to Haiti it's not a vacation um, <laughs> I love going but it's you know it's not a resort we're there it's hot and Dirty and dusty and the, um, to, uh, to be honest, I don't love Haitian food. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so there's a, just a, so many different opportunities that you can go on. Um, maybe test your, uh, test the waters with something local. Mm-hmm. Uh, our student ministries, a lot of times, they will they will do stuff within the city, um, whether it's after the floods a couple years ago, we sent groups to homes that needed help doing demo work, you know, tearing out carpet and drywall and trash that, you know, the flood had brought in. Um, they've gone on trips, you know, elsewhere in the state to do stuff. Uh, and then, you know, college ministry, like I said, they've gone to Boston, um, We've had trips in Europe, Asia, South America. So there's really a wide range of stuff. There's, you know, not really. International here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you don't even have to go out of the country to work <laughs> with foreigners. Uh, our Sunday school class adopted a refugee family yeah. that came in from Burma. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and we've got a whole Burmese congregation within our church. We, mm-hmm. you know, we have church services in three different languages here um so that's something i think you know if you're listening to this and going to first baptist you're really blessed because you live in a church or you don't live in the church you go to a church uh, <laughs> oh, you're you know, part of the yeah. church yeah. Yeah. i live right across the street from the church <laughs> right? so i kind of i almost do um and for a time, I actually did live in the BCM. Yes, <laughs> Fun yeah, fact. You did. But there's uh, an apartment there. there yeah, there was an apartment. Uh, yeah, just, just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did come back from Haiti that first trip and think, man, I don't even need an apartment. I could just throw up a hammock in the <laughs> storage room, and I'd be living better than a lot of the people in <laughs> Haiti right now. That yeah, that's another yeah. part of the mm-hmm. the perspective that it gives you. Like I've learned not to complain about. I almost never complain about being hungry. Oh, I just patted myself on the back, but you <laughs> do that. You also um, just ate. We watched you.
1: <laughs> I did. I
2: did. I just ate. Um, but yeah. So if you're in First Baptist Church, you are really blessed to have a church that is very missions oriented. There are so many opportunities to get involved here. Just you know, ask any of us. Uh, ask about anyone and someone's gonna be able to help you get where you want to be
0: mm-hmm. and I think the real message too with the whole experience you had in saying that prayer and praying over West and, and hearing that call and just your prayer being Lord send me I think if you are in this church and you have a desire strong enough and you feel like that desire is from the Lord like there are people that probably have a desire to go mm-hmm. with you and if not to just go there probably are people that have already gone or are already involved in a way um, somewhere in some form of tangible you know providing needs where needs where there is a need and um, you just just ask they're everywhere yeah (laughs) there's not just like one group of people I think in, in every ministry there are people who have a desire to be on mission in our community and then in, a, in other communities who are less fortunate than ours
1: yeah exactly and I think that's a good word to end on right there plenty of opportunities so pray to the Lord and ask uh, where he wants you to be and you'll be surprised where you get sent <laughs> <laughs> Yep. all right thanks Zach yeah, for thanks. telling us your story and thanks for having me this has been the first community podcast and we will talk with you next time